Listen up, it's the Speakeasy with Annie Madden and Carla Trelaw. Conversations in the margins. A comfortable space for uncomfortable topics. Hi everyone, here we are again in Speakeasy World and today we have the great pleasure of interviewing, speaking to, having a conversation with Margaret Heller, the one and only Margaret Heller and uh, for those of you, many of you will know her of course and for those of you who don't, um, there's an opportunity to meet a wonderful person who's been really um, just an absolute force in public health and continues to be and particularly in relation to issues such as hepatitis C and people who inject drugs and it's really it's a pleasure, Margaret. Thank, Thank you, you so really much. Kind of you, Annie. And yeah. Carla. So we're going to tell people who you are and yep. what you do. So you're head of the Centre for Population Health at the Burnett Institute. Yes. And we're sitting in a lovely corner office today in, in somewhat Well, that's because I'm a grown-up. So. <laughs> <laughs> I tell well, you, that's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, that's, I probably should have asked before we switched this thing on how serious I was meant to be all the way through. Because no. obviously I have difficulty maintaining <laughs> well, we so hear the, the gravitas of my yeah. alleged yeah. role. Yes. <laughs> So, let me get through it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Clinician, researcher, appointments at Monash Uni as professor, working at the Alfred Hospital in clinics. Yep. And one of the things we want to talk to you today is about your work in the community yes. with hepatitis C. So yep. maybe we should start mm. there and okay. talk about TAP or treatment yes. as prevention. And Annie and I had the pleasure of standing in a very cold park know, in Australia yesterday. Yeah. Oh, what's crazy, crazy, as, what's crazy, as, we, crazy yeah. as we call it. Yeah. <laughs> so can you tell us about TAP? Yes. What is it? How does it work? What's happening? So TAP is sort of the... the one of the ongoing steps in a in a whole kind of body of work that we've been doing for a number of years at the Burnett really started by a guy called Nick Crofts, who some mm-hmm. people will remember well and others who are more recently to the field may not. But Nick started doing um, basically research on people who inject drugs in Melbourne back in the, the 1990s. And, um, and I came along in the early 2000s and really um, was doing my postdoc with Nick. And, and one of the things that I learned from Nick is if... If you're going to do work trying to understand um, the impact and how to, how to sort of reduce the impact probably of hepatitis C, you need to work with populations. And I already had learned that in my HIV days because I really originally came from an HIV ID okay. background and learned essentially all my pa- – look, what I, the way I well, – I'll put it into a big context. The way I put it is all my patients died when I was a young physician yeah, because right. I was doing infectious diseases. Yeah. And I'm not exactly the smartest kid on the block, but I'm not unintelligent. And I figured that maybe prevention was a better way than <laughs> cure because we didn't have any very good cures then and the cures that were available were not mm. fabulous. So exactly. so that was always my sort of philosophical viewpoint from very early on in mm. infectious diseases. And so from infectious diseases, then did public health training as well as my PhD, which was all around prevention medicine and, and, and how does one think about prevention rather than cure. Understanding that cure is also important, but that how do you interlock those? Mm, to, and, and also to understand that the behaviours come in, a, in, a, in a basically a broader social construct and so therefore if you were not working with community, you were not going to understand mm-hmm. how behaviour fitted into that community and therefore how you're going to impact on it either to reduce it, to minimise harm, to do whatever you're trying to do. So That's, that's a really great framework. Yeah, that, so to me, yeah. I sort of learned that yeah. mm. with the baptism of fire, to be perfectly mm, honest, in my sure. early clinical days of just, mm. you couldn't talk about anything to do with with. You know, that you got taught that nothing about us without us, mm. all of those kind of mm. things. And you just mm. couldn't do good mm. clinical work, in my view, unless you were sort of understanding these things. Mm. So then when it came to then doing my postdoc with Nick, 
that whole thing again was well it was a different population but it's the same story it's you just have to do work with the groups who are being impacted on it and try to get some understanding of it so tap comes from that history of of work where we were following cohorts and and nick had an interest and i had an interest in what i call social networks of that you don't nobody acts on their own like Mm -hmm. we all act with others in terms of whatever the behavior may be and so to try and understand those relationships and how those relationships um what what made those relationships happen because no quite obviously in terms of if you're thinking about sex somebody yeah most people have to have sex with somebody else and if you're using drugs even though you can use in isolation most people don't it's a social construct same as drinking all of those kind of things so so to me then going well how do these relationships work and how does that then impact on disease mm. transmission or risk or harms mm. or whatever? So so to me, that was where the original sort of Nick had done the first network study and I came in on the end of that, but really sort of thinking for me as well that this is an over time thing. It's not just mm. your relationship today yep. is what has happened Mm-hmm. in the past but you really have to look at relationships over time so mm-hmm. the main network study was really looking at people who inject drugs relationships over time and mm-hmm. following those relationships and trying to understand the dynamics of them and and what would make them sometimes risky and sometimes mm-hmm. not and and ha- what were the influences of of your network on your behavior mm-hmm. and what was your influence on your network's mm-hmm. behavior and looking at it not just for disease transmission oh. but that was my specific interest mm-hmm. coming from an id mm-hmm. background but as you as you go along, you suddenly think, oh, you've got to think about this a lot harder than yeah. those simple things. Mm-hmm. But also thinking about things like overdose, influence of risk behaviour, all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was the network study. Mm-hmm. And, and once we got that work, and then Paul Dietz, who I'm not sure whether you're going to be speaking to, but does a lot of fabulous oh, no, work. Oh, no, we're on, not going to speak. No. <laughs> Total rat bash. No. Just so you know, Paul. <laughs> you heard it first here. <laughs> so so Paul, Paul had joined, um, at, uh, had come to the Burnett, so we're working together. So who's doing the mixed cohort? So... So we sort of brought those together and really just, again, trying to understand all things related to, to drug use. But we'd had the, the data from the networks, and then I got to be working with some really fabulous and clever people at the University of Melbourne, Pip Patterson and Gary Robbins, who were network modellers. Mm. And in essence, I said to them, they were doing really clever, clever things to do with mathematics. And I just said that it had to be simple for me to kind of get <laughs> the, the gist of. And I said, in my clinical work, I need to understand... And originally I'd been thinking we'd have a vaccine, so that if I understood the structure of the network, mm. then I could think about where do we intervene with the vaccine? Because we've got a fabulous hep B vaccine, but a whole yeah. lot of people yeah. who inject yeah. don't get it. So That's I was trying it. to think, mm. we're doing, mm. and Lisa Bale was doing some nice work around how do you get somebody to take up the vaccine, but I was mm. thinking, like, who do we give it to? Mm. And then the treatments were coming along, and I could see them coming down the pipeline, like mm. when I put on my other research hats, mm. and I was thinking, these treatments are coming. They're going to be here before the any, vac- yeah. any vaccines yeah. are going to get here. So I went and thing. said to the guys... I need you to run disease, hep C mm. through the network models that we've got because they created these swanky models. And I said, but I also then want you to run treatment through the models mm. and I want you to turn on and off nodes, either spontaneously, as we know can happen, spontaneous mm. clearance, but also I want you to run treatment through. And, and tell me, is there somebody I could be treating better or first mm. or this or that? And I said, but I'm really simple. And I said, also my sense is mm-hmm. with people in the network is they don't, you know, I, as any person who injects drugs, does not think, no, where do I sit within my injecting network? Am I this or that or the other? Yeah. They don't think, nobody thinks mm. like that. Yeah. So I said, essentially, I want you to run a treat your friends approach so it is mm. just, I've got it, so, treat, bring, them up, bring in my yeah. mates. Kind of, yeah. Will that be as effective as 
a, what I would call a formal theoretical mm. kind of intervention mm. with mm. nodes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that one was just as effective <laughs> as Great. not. So that was good because I was simple and it meant that I could just sit with a patient and go, listen, I'll treat you, and but yes. I'll also treat your mates. Mm. Now, when we had the old stuff, you would not do that, the uh, peg riber. You wouldn't do it because you'd go, actually, I'll treat you. I'll let you and your partner and all yeah. of your friends recover, recover from that, from that horrific experience. <laughs> and then six months later, I might treat yeah. your partner. But I knew the new stuff was coming. Mm. So, you know, and mm. I'd been, I had a couple of patients on trials, but I just knew it was much, much better. So I knew that that would change the situation, that I would be able to treat you and your immediate partners at the same, exactly the same time. There'd be no dramas with that. So that was the whole sort of thing as we were planning. This was, say, three or four years ago yeah. to go, they're coming, so let's be ready for them. So the TAP study, to cut a long story short, came out of that because we knew our models were saying that this would be an effective way to go. go. But just because you've got a model, I'm a sceptic about... I mean, I do models, but I understand their weaknesses. So the idea is let's test it. So that's what TAP is all about, is really testing a couple of things. Number one, whether or not if I just have a nurse in a van without a doctor like me or a specialist or anybody providing treatment to people at really the pointy end of Mm. things... Is that possible? Mm. So that's the first question. Is it actually possible to treat people? Will people want to have treatment in that context? Because I think it's important if we're going to understand elimination. You must treat people who are currently injecting and Mm. currently injecting in ways that are risky Mm -hmm. because that's where transmission occurs. So that's the first sort of thing is, so you've got, you met Sally and Presume and and, and Kat and Kate in the van yesterday. So that's the first question is, can we actually, is the treatment outcomes possible in those circumstances? They don't see a doctor. They basically, they see the nurses, have their bloods taken. So introduced by the outreach workers, Mm. have their bloods taken, have the fibrous scan. There's a paper check by a doctor. If they've got significant liver disease where we then think we need to see them, they come into Mm -hmm. a clinic, but otherwise all treatment occurs Mm. out in the community. So that's the first question. Is this possible? Are treatment outcomes just as good? Because to me, you should never... Um, compromise the quality of care an individual should get. Mm. Um, but you don't want to overcomplicate it if you don't. You don't, know, you don't right overcomplicate do you? it if it's mm. not necessary. Mm. You want to provide care in the best place mm. for that person, in my mm. view. So if care, mm. the best place for care is in community, and I think mm. often it is, then provide it in mm. community. If the best place the best is a standard. light mm. touch, it's a light touch, mm. but you should never compromise the mm. quality of the outcome. Mm. So mm. to me, checking that is the first mm. thing. Second is then going, okay, so we do that, but also we will look at treating a person and their immediate injecting network or will treat people but not their immediate injecting network. We also originally had a third arm where nobody got... You, the person didn't get treated, nor this, and it got deferred treatment deferred, yeah. before uh, we had the drugs come on the PBS. But right. we figure that's not ethical yeah. to do yeah. that now, so okay. we stop that arm yeah. and everybody gets treatment. I do remember you and I had a very small conversation yeah. about the yeah. ethics of yeah. that way back. Exactly. And so to me, yeah. mm. we were... And that was the idea of doing the fibrous scan mm. because if somebody didn't get into the treatment arm originally, we were going to be able to observe what happened mm. to mount the That's argument right, for sure. why they should, everybody should. Because my yeah. argument has always been that everybody, treatment should mm. be available for everybody. I was Obviously. never of the mm. only treat people who are sick school. Yeah, I just felt that that's true. just... Yeah. To me, it was nonsensical. Yeah, it's it's not how you deal with yeah. diseases at an individual level because... Mm. I'm just going around about an off-the-tap thing, but I never understood the argument for not providing somebody with treatment if they wanted Want it. it. Mm. It's the person that gets to decide, not me who gets to decide, mm. because you never really know what's the circumstances mm. of somebody's life. And as mm. I would argue with some of my colleagues who would say, I only treat severe disease, I'd say, well, 
I'm 22 and I want to get pregnant. I've got a 6% mm. probability of passing this on to my child. You That's have no right. idea the fear that will run through my pregnancy. Yeah. Are you not going to treat me? Yeah, yeah. exactly. When I've got a, you know, when I've got yeah. a high chance of cure. Yeah, oh, yeah. And then they'll say, Even oh, though I've got great uh, liver function. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then they'll go, oh, no, well, I'll treat you then. I say, that's good. So then I say, okay, I'm a 42-year-old woman whose um, daughter is 18 and has got two kids and she needs to go back to university. She wasn't planning to have those children early. I work three days a week to support the household and I need to look after the other kids, the kids, her kids, two days a week. I'm exhausted. Mm. Mm. Are you Pepsi's not treat part of that. Pe- mm. Pepsi's part of that. Are you mm. not going to treat me? Mm. Mm. Oh, I'll treat you. Mm. <laughs> and each time I walk yeah. through, yeah. yeah, I'm a 28-year-old male. I want to go into the army and they're going to do some tests on me. I actually, I know that they'll let me in, but I really want to get rid of this disease before mm. I go so that I feel that I can be safe with all of my workers. Mm. Are you going to treat me? Yeah, I'll treat you. Yeah. In the box. Yeah. So I worked out that, in fact, at an individual <laughs> yeah. level... You're cornering them, Margaret. They haven't got anywhere to go, these poor people. No way to run. No way to hide. So at an individual level, they would treat everybody. Yeah. Mm. But at a, kind of when they'll talk about it, they'd only go, oh, we can only yeah. treat three or four. And I just like, no. Mm. Yeah. And not only that, the models, which we've been involved with, with Peter Vickerman and Tasha Martin, those early models, mm. were saying we could eliminate, in theory, mm. with the old meds. And to me, I had my stuff going on to do with the network models going and we can if we treat a person in their their mates their partner we can eliminate so i'm thinking why on earth would we not just want to treat everybody so it's kind of predicated on of course you'd treat everybody at an individual level of course yeah Mm. if i want treatment give me treatment yeah it's like to me it's crazy stuff yeah and then to me as well in terms of a logic and i guess maybe i think about sexually transmitted infections i think about anything if I had a sexually transmitted infection, mm. I would also go. I treat me. I treat and mm. and I treat my partner. Yeah, yeah. like exactly. as if I wouldn't do that. That was as d- yeah, it's dumb, yeah. it's, it would be classified as dumb and dirt not to mm. do contact yeah. tracing. So why on earth mm. would we not do it the same thing for a yeah. disease that's transmitted, not sexually, but by injecting or whatever? It, so yeah. I can't remember where we got to, but that's the logic of all <clears> the work. So with mm. the um, design of the tap study, you've yep. got the um, uh, treat you, treat your mate. Yep. And the second arm is, is treat you, right. but not treat your mate. Mm. And the idea of that is to go, does that impact on transmission, so yep. to a person, right. but also does it impact on reinfection? Mm. Now, these days, originally when we were doing it, again, when there was no treatment available, that was like, well, we'll just then, as soon as the study's finished, the observation, mm-hmm. we'll treat a person as well who's got significant disease, like yep. got disease. But nobody who's got significant disease wouldn't have gone into the hospital. So nobody was going to get sick from their hepatitis C. They were just going to be waiting yep. 18 months. But now, again, we just say, we'll treat you. We're not going to treat your mate in the study. Your mate can go off and get treatment if they want to mm-hmm. seek it, and we'll actually monitor that because we think that'll be really interesting to yeah, know whether, whether or not somebody can get their self treated. Yeah. get their shit yeah. sorted. Yeah. Number one, to me, I'm seeing somebody get mm. treated and I'm not and fussed that, by it. Yeah. Like, they're, well, they're not fussed by it, so yeah. I might go. Or yeah. I can see somebody being treated, but God, it's hard to get to a hospital. Oh, God, yeah. it's hard to get to a doctor, and I really mm. don't like them, and I like mm. that nurse there in the mm. van. Yeah, yeah. And why doesn't she? I'll just wait 18 months. Mm. We'll be watching to see what happens. Fantastic. You're allowed to do as you please. That, essentially. that is yeah, so very how, important how do you, stuff to monitor. In the design to um, look at uh, new infections yep. and so on. So, Someone who gets uh, treated with their mates may have crossover into networks yeah. of people who get yep. treated but not their mates. So how do you account for all that kind of messiness of the real yeah. world? So you measure all the time, every yeah. three months, and you take account for it. You know that there's going to be overlap and you know there's going to be people that you haven't got into the network. Mm-hmm. But like all of these things, it's probabilistic. Mm-hmm. So there's some maths that goes on in it, but essentially it's a probability that, mm-hmm. that if I'm treated, and the two of you got treated, mm. the probability that you might have somebody that you go and inject with is there, but the probability that you'll get infected relative, this, da, 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 yeah, yeah. relative to if I'm treated 
and you don't get treated, mm. the probability that you'll reinfect me much faster. Yeah, it's just a probabilistic great. thing. Yeah, yeah, and it's done on yeah. powers and models and stuff like that. But it's just it's maths. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Love life is sort of kind of weird shit maths. <laughs> oh, it is. No, life, oh, life is very much about maths. You're absolutely right. A question, just a, a bit of a side question, this issue of reinfection. Yep. Um, so recently I've been hearing some discussion about not using the term reinfection, but oh. every infection is a new infection. What do you think about that? I, I wonder, I, I, and it is a serious question. Yep. I ask because, you know, we're, the three of us would all be aware of just the level of potential shame yep. and stigma that yep. can be associated with a reinfection in inverted commas yep. once you've been treated with what are expensive drugs, let's say, and we already know there were discussions in the background around the approval of the drugs about whether, you know, should we be giving these expensive yep. drugs to people who are only just going to go and get reinfected. Do you think court relabeling in that sense, uh, not talking about reinfections every time someone gets infected, it's effectively a new infection? Mm. Does that help? Does it do anything? Mm. Is that just rubbish? I'm not any good at that stuff, as you probably have noticed over the years. I'm actually no good at any of the PC language. No, no, I seriously am not. Because to me, I don't get why Mm. somebody would be so stupid as to not think, of course, you should treat reinfection. Mm. Like, I go, Mm. like... Duh. <laughs> and so I don't actually understand yeah, why yeah. people are so stupid as to not figure that in fact the moment you see reinfection mm. is the place you want to go and want to mm. be because that person's obviously involved in transmission. Mm. They're at risk. They're not That's maybe it. being taught to inject in properly. Your and my question I would go is mm. get hold of that person, mm. have a conversation with them. Number one, do they know how to inject properly? Mm. Have they had their mm. lessons and all of those mm. kind of things? Number mm. two, who are they injecting with and would mm. they please bring them in? <laughs> so, So to me... I've never seen it as a problem because, again, I would treat – you would like I go through and say logically, if somebody has chlamydia, Mm -hmm. an 18-year-old girl has chlamydia and you Mm -hmm. treat her and you treat her partners and she gets reinfected, you go, I'm not going to treat you again. Like, what are you doing having sex again? Exactly. And it's like, well, Well, that kind of happens. And I just just go, like, that is the story. Of course you retreat somebody if you want to stop pelvic inflammatory disease and also maybe you treat their partners again and maybe Mm. you make sure you had a proper conversation about About. what is behaviour that doesn't put them back at risk. So for me, I actually don't see it that way. I Mm. I hear people say that. I just Mm. think that our job is to re-educate some of our colleagues that struggle with this concept of reinfection Mm. in the same way as Mm. we retreat people for cardiac disease. If somebody has a Mm. angioplasty for a cardiac vessel mm. and then you go come back and say oh, I'm sorry but look I've just picked up your iPhone and I can't see 10,000 steps in that mm. you know it's, uh, um, I'm not re- I'm not going oh, oh you're yeah. having a heart attack are you <laughs> <laughs> when it's, it's just I mean, I that's what I say. Everybody laughs. But we do do it's, that stuff yeah, with people who inject drugs. It's though. nonsensical. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Whenever I give that yeah. example, I had a meeting with some real grown-up folks from some place yesterday, last night, to mm. do. You know, and I give those examples, and they just laugh because, mm. of course, they go, "Oh, it's yeah, of ludicrous. course, it's yeah. ludicrous. Yeah. You would not do yeah. it. So why would you do even do think mm-hmm. so?" So. Yes, mm. I can understand why people want to have that conversation. Mm. For me, I like to call it as I see it. Mm. Yeah, and the stupidity lies not with the mm. person who's. Mm. I can understand somebody coming back and being a bit. Oh, I'm embarrassed. Mm, really, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. But that lies. The problem lies elsewhere. Exactly. Yeah. The, it's what they're, they're expecting. To yeah. The get problem back at lies them, with mm. the health services mm. and with a whole lot of people about saying, "What are you doing?" Well, I don't know what I'm doing. I might have an addiction to drugs, and I might be injecting, which is yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. Like or what do you like it? Yeah, what do you? Yeah, well, what whatever it is. Doing? Yeah, what do you think I'm doing? Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, and it yeah. is. Yeah, good point. Good question. And so, so to me, yeah. I just, I and, and I 
and it gets around, I guess, to all the issues around, and I come from an incredibly conservative background, mm. so I had to be re-educated in my mind about mm. really what I call simplistic notions of things, mm. and one of them is drug use, mm. um, because, you know, like... Why would people do that? Why would people do that yes. kind of thing? Like, mm-hmm. And to me, it's an irrelevance. Yeah. Like, just get over yourself. Move yeah. on from your simplistic notions of whatever it is and get yeah. over yourself. Yeah, it's none yeah. of your business why people yeah. do stuff. Like, yeah. they do it. Yeah. But we're in a moment now where, where this reframing needs to happen, because yeah. we haven't had this opportunity to prevent, to um, treat and cure infections on, yeah. in such a massive scale before. Mm. So, the kind I, I sort of see as a move to normalising for people who are continuing to, to use drugs or inject drugs, a, a screening process, and I don't yeah. know whether it's annual or mm, six-monthly, mm, like we yeah. do for yeah. STIs. Yeah, totally agree. You know, it's just normalised. This is yeah. what you need to do. Yeah. And, and when an infection yeah. pops up, okay, straight yeah. into treatment. Yeah. Yeah. To me, yeah. I'm sure not all drug use is healthy and good for people, and I think some people will want to change it. Some people, mm. that's making mm. choices. Mm. To me, regardless of the circumstances of how somebody got to be in the situation, mm. is to me making sure they have clear information, they have mm. good choices that they mm. can make, and then, you know, we talk about nanny states. We're not in, we, I don't mm. like nanny states. Mm. I, I just think... But as long as we're providing information and we're providing access, in the mm. same way as, to me, we should for any disease, for any circumstance... And, and and for me, I'll say with a long way within reason. Yeah. You know, and I've got a few views on what we should be doing. You know, totally unrelated to my areas of work of when people are really older and we're not giving mm. them choices and agency mm. about you know yeah. where we spend. So when people also say, "Oh, we don't have the money to do this or that," yeah. I go, "Actually, Rubbish. we do. Yeah, yeah. we it's have the choices. money to do this mm. both within the health system mm. and external to the health system until where we choose to spend our dollars. Mm. Yeah. And even if you go within the health system, you say." The community conversation that doesn't happen with our elderly people about their choices about continuing mm. their health care mm. when they want to stop. Exactly. Don't bore me with we don't have money. I just I just mm. I'm not interested in no, those conversations when we're not having with mature you, conversations mm. about these things. So mm. so so to me I always feel like saying, Don't bore me with the money issue. And mm. we also know the cost of these drugs is mm. a pretend cost. So don't bore me. We're in a negotiation. I just I, yeah. I just don't don't engage me in it's the like boring conversation. Yeah, like, we afford yeah. it once upon a time, why yeah. can't yeah. we afford yeah. it now? I, just, you know, I feel like, like we often engage in we conversations which yeah. which are mysterious to yeah. me in the sense of that they're at the wrong place. Mm. I mean so that's yeah. Yeah. so let's that's have good. a mature conversation about hepsi elimination. Yeah. Mm. I mean we have these targets. Do you want to explain the targets? Margaret, for elimination? Well, there's two... So the WHO targets set two key targets. One was to stop deaths related to hepatitis C, and that was basically to reduce deaths by 65%. And the other was to reduce... They call it to um, reduce the number of new chronic diseases by uh, 80% by 2030. So that's basically to stop new new transmissions. Mm. So, first of all, are they achievable? Look, for Australia, absolutely. I mean... The 65% reduction in deaths, I mean, it's not enough. Like, we just should mm. stop all deaths. <laughs> you were going to have missed a few people mm. who are so far advanced along now mm. in, that in we won't liver disease. In liver yeah. disease, that yeah. we won't ca- capture them. And we'll also have a risk where somebody who has significant liver disease and we cure them, mm. um, they need to still come back to be yeah. having regular six monthly mm. ultrasound checks to mm. do with until we have better knowledge mm. to not get liver to make mm. sure they're not getting liver cancers we intervene early now my concern is those people mm. quite reasonably will go yippee I'm mm. cured mm. I hate that hospital <laughs> and I'm never going back there <laughs> it's hard to park don't you work in a hospital I do yeah <laughs> but I, I I had a father you have a healthy res- disrespect for the oh, no, like, I had a father <laughs> It was probably really helpful to me. He was a health phobic. Like, he, mm. in a sense, was very scared of hospitals. He had a yucky mm. experience as a you know, young boy. Mm. Um, and 
he could hardly visit me when I had my children in hospital. He would yeah. turn pale and have yeah. to take the bed. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 and so I've always... <laughs> yeah, no. And I, so I've always had this understanding that some people really don't like the place mm. and they literally get mm. feel physically mm. unwell mm. in attending the place. You know, it makes them not feel flash. Mm. So that's the first thing. The second thing is it's actually hard. Like to get to the like to park at the Alfred Hospital mm. costs people significant dollars yeah. or to catch public transport mm. from the countryside. Right. It costs them real money. And we're yep. talking about people that don't necessarily mm. have resources. Plus it costs you, say, a half a day off work. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Now, if you're working casually, you've yeah. just lost the money. Yeah. Even if you're working in a part-time job or a full-time job, you still have to mm. organise that. So it's, that. it's just complicated to yeah. go to a hospital. Yeah. So for me... People, when they're cured, will think I'm cured. Mm. And there'll be a group of people who go, oh, we really want you to have this ultrasound every six mm. months because if you do have something crop up, we need to jump on it immediately. Mm. So for me, we've got to make sure they don't fall through the cracks yep. of that mm. elimination of death mm. story. Mm-hmm. But I think it's doable is, yeah. is mm. in the short term. The elimination of transmission mm. is much more... Ch- well, the, of new cases is much more challenging. Mm. And we will only achieve that if we concentrate hard. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. What I say to people, in my view, is it's not going to happen by chance. It's not going to happen by just wanting kind of like whatever. Wishing so it. you yeah. then have to go, what am I doing to change the health systems to make it that the people who are transmitting virus, because, and I know it's not a nice way to frame it in sure. terms of like if you're a person who, I'm not the transmitter of virus, but yeah. if you're just yeah. being totally yeah. like, just if we're thinking it. about it from an epi point of view, where is virus transmission occurring? Mm. So therefore, I must make sure that I provide services, care, Mm. where that is. For hep C, it's predominantly in Australia, people who inject drugs. Mm. And some of it is in HIV positive gay and bisexual men. And then there's a few other areas. But if we really want to be successful at reducing transmission, we need to be thinking, how do we provide services to those populations? Then our job is to go oh, well, they'll just come. No, they won't. Let's Mm. face it. That's just daft. Mm. Then also going they won't even just necessarily come to primary care because of all of the stigma, discrimination and all of that kind of stuff. Again, wishing ain't going to make that happen. So it's going, working with the affected communities, saying, what do the health systems need to look like for you? And then going, okay, it will not be perfect because we can't do perfect and there is sort of, you know, money issues and all of those things. Get that. Yeah. Mm. But with working together and working Mm. with appropriate services in community, how do we make it look better for you mm. to be able to access care? Mm. So Sally in the Van. Mm. I keep on thinking it's a good name for a band, actually. <laughs> Sally in the Van. So Sally, is, is it Sally in the Van? Well, yes, for some people, but not mm. for most people because mm. that will not be cost-effective. Governments won't put that up. Okay, but there will be a group it, of people that I view. won't be what a lot of people Most want. people want mm. or need. That's right. Yeah. But we do need to say where in primary care mm. do we want to be providing mm. easy access mm. to treatment. So mm. in... And it will vary between in Australian jurisdictions, I would imagine. Mm. So in Victoria, we've got the primary health care services, which are the one-stop shops. Mm. So we've really got to work on them providing quality services for hepatitis C treatment. Again, these are the ones that specifically focus so on like, people who inject yeah, drugs. So, yeah, so mm-hmm. in community health, we've got these five primary health care services um, scattered around in what we'll call places where mostly people who inject mm. drugs are hanging out in mm-hmm. terms of buying and stuff like that. So making sure those services mm-hmm. are really up and running and functional in terms of providing hepatitis C care yeah. and a one-stop shop for that. So that means, you know, whether it's a nurse, predominantly nurse-led model of care, working with the primary care clinician, linking into a tertiary hospital, whatever works best for that service. And so that's the partnership grant, the Eliminate C partnership, is all about going, how do we help facilitate that? Yeah. So that, that it's not to go, you do this, you do that, because my experience 
having set up a few of these services, <coughs> is it really varies between the service as to how we need to structure the service for them. But if we can provide a nurse mm. to go down there and help do that work, working with however that service needs it to happen, that's the best way. And if that nurse has a fibre scan and the nurse can take bloods and people get to know that treatment is here and mm. whatever the facility is. So to me, that's what our aim is with the partnership grant is to facilitate that. As well, and this will again vary between jurisdictions, in Victoria we have some people who are really what I call um, they get bigger OST prescribers. Mm. Huge numbers go through. But they're a private but and so they have a, it's a business and I think again to not kid yourself about that what that service is about it's providing an important service but they're not going to provide hepatitis C treatment because they don't need to mm. and they'd like to but it's a business model yeah mm. so how can we help them mm. thinking about that business model but working with them go mm. how do we get hepatitis C treatment in there mm. and again is that a nurse working with a doctor either unrelated like who comes in to do the Paper checks is a bit like what we do with Sally, but they're at a service. Mm. What does it look like? Mm. And we'll be having discussions with those key services to say, how do we help you do this? So that mm. everybody that's coming through and getting that OST mm. script in a hurry mm. also is offered testing, mm. care and treatment mm. at that service in a way that works for them, mm. if it does, mm. as well as the, 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 the clinician or the, the, the guys that have set up those services. So, yeah. so And while it's not for everyone, hep C treatment in their OST setting yeah, for it's, a variety of reasons, yeah. it will be for some. It will be for yeah. some. And some will be really begging for it almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we know from things like the ethos study yeah. Yeah, that um, that can have a positive impact on all sorts of things yeah. beyond the hep C treatment experience. Yeah. It can impact on the way the OST is delivered yeah. and improve that. Yeah. Yeah. circumstance as well so there yeah. can be lots of benefits yeah so the idea is to me it's not one size fits all it's mm. basically going <coughs> excuse me we've got primary so and this is why i think it'll be very between jurisdictions mm. and so at the moment with the eliminate c partnership we're actually doing a scoping exercise of going where do we think mm. we've got services that make sense what what ones are already set up but need a bit of facilitation mm. which ones aren't set up mm. but we need to be working with them and and also having input from you know harm reduction Victoria, mm. hepatitis Victoria, mm. going what is this looking like mm. to you? And also how do we then, you know, there's lots of flyers and this and that to tell people to get Hep C treatment, but also what does the communication need to be with the community mm. to say we really are open for business? We're serious about being open for business mm. in Victoria, and particularly for people who maybe have had poor experiences in yeah. the health system yeah. over and over yeah. again. Yeah, exactly. and they're shut down. Exactly. You know, how do you prick up their ears yeah. about the drugs are not? Enough. It's not. It's not just you the drugs know, exactly. That, yeah, yeah mm. because we know that from other things. Mm. The, the, you know, the vaccine mm. is not enough. The drugs are not enough. So, mm. so part of that work in the partnership is to go. Uh, we recognise this, mm. and and you know, there's this kind of you know the theory of change and whether you're an early adopter and a this you one and that. When we we're just discussing the other day, where the bulk mm. of people lie in the yes but sceptical or mm. get lost I never want to have treatment we, yeah. you're a bunch of nasty pasties yeah. <laughs> they would use different words but I'm being, I'm being taped <laughs> and, and how do we move those people along that thing trick um, what about Carla's laughing I am, for I'm people kind of who can't see that she's absolutely <laughs> laughing she's not taking this at all seriously no I'm not I'm not but uh, something to take seriously in, the, in those range of um uh, models of care, yep. call it that. What about uh, peer workers? Where do they yep. fit in? Sorry, I'm just going to turn off my heater. Just running away, coming back. Yeah, <laughs> um, rather. Oh. I know. Sorry. I, I thought it was just. I, no, I'm, I'm a total.
total weather wuss and Liz knows that so she always has she's turned on the heater for me because she knows I'm going to come in and be pathetic I'm totally pathetic about weather I should live up north um, I'm going to retire up north but it's on the record now <laughs> I'm um, letting you know yeah, the exactly. <laughs> um, so, so that's one of the things that we're looking at because again you've got to say how do we make these sustainable models and I don't think we need necessarily to have a peer worker for every interaction but then again there will be a group of people where that will be really important mm. and whether that's at the health service or whether mm. that's mm. harm and this is one of the things we'll mm. you know, work out with harm reduction mm. victoria is to go what does that need to look mm. like at um, point. and mm. and it, and, mm. and again it's a bit like um to me the health service model it's not one mm. size fits all some yeah. people we know i mean i treat plenty of people just like mm. i mean i mean i mean mm. don't, they don't want anybody else there they just yeah. want to, that's it it's, yep. it's easy mm. But for what I'll call the late adopters, mm. what's the conversations mm. that need to go on with them mm. to say, how do I get you here? Yeah. What is trust, it? Exactly. It? Yeah. And and whether or not everybody will... I suspect there'll be a few people that need somebody sitting with them almost as, as mm. to give them agency. Sure. But I actually... My sense is, and I may be wrong here, but I, so I think we need to do work around mm. it, is that the vast majority won't need that, mm. but a group of people will need that. Mm. And so what... But more, I think, what people will need is really a place where they can have a really clear discussion beforehand discussion yeah, about yeah about mm. what's going to happen and really can I trust mm. these people yeah. and or are they just yeah, yeah. Really and I think it's not... also Margaret, you know when we talk about that honesty and building trust yeah. stuff I think it's also about just those issues that the questions that you're just scared that it's actually yeah. entirely appropriate to ask yeah. the doctor, but you're scared to, to ask because you don't know what direction yeah. that information might go off in because it's yeah. perhaps you've had experiences before where you've yeah. said something that's on the record and then that gets picked up and used in another way somewhere yeah. else. So you might ask yeah. the question here yeah. to test out should and I also, ask I mean, that I, question. I just yeah. also know, yeah. and it's, mm. it's so part, one of the other components of the Eliminate uh, Seat Partnership so there's going, to, there's going to be about four or five components. You're getting an early sort of look at this because we haven't actually had the first the first CI meeting is this afternoon and then you know, for a couple of weeks. But there's a series of components. So one of them is the health promotion component and working with the communities. Second component is an education component, which we will focus on the nurses and also um, community workers, okay. be they peers or just community yeah, workers, sure. on on how do you actually work with people who inject drugs because you might have really experience about treating hepatitis C but we're talking about working with people who inject drugs and that brings another component to it mm. or some people who are working in community how do you get upskilled with hep C and so it'll be modular because we recognise different people different mm. skills those things mm. so there'll be that component because I think that and working with hep is really I mean, harm reduction Victoria is really important to make it that the the people providing the service recognise those fears mm. Mm. and recognise, like say I've got used to over the years, I always ask people you know, about, and, and it was interesting because we had a, a, a worker from Hep Vic saying she hates so we're setting up an online site for uh, GPs like Hep C Help and same as there's Hep B Help for, for, mm. for primary care practitioners and Jen said, I hate being asked how I got my hepatitis C mm. and I thought, oh, crumbs, I ask that all the time of people and we went through why does she hate mm. being asked, and then I realised I ask it in a way where I always explain why I'm asking. Why you're asking. So I, I always say, oh, I'm... A, and I've just got used to it, probably, mm. again, because I got beaten up, you know, as a young person in, in the HIV days where they mm. taught you to be better at your job. <laughs> so you're not seeing me. I'm slapping my face, <laughs> metaphorically. You know, do better. Um, and so you got sort of really taught 
to not. You don't know how many other people want to be in there, Margaret. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, like say with, with HIV, you would ask people about sexual stuff, and really, mm. in, on, no, yeah. I'll reflect back on it. Sometimes impertinent questions of people's mm. sex lives, and then you learn. Actually, I don't need to know all that stuff. That's I right. just what need to know need some to know. specific mm. stuff about sexual mm. behaviour and whatever mm. to understand about risk behaviour, mm. this and that for their health. Mm. And how do I explain that to a person so they don't think I'm being totally kind mm. of like voyeuristic yeah, that's right. about something? Mm-hmm. So to me, I got yeah, used point. to going, I'm asking you this question because mm. blah, blah, blah. So I'm not trying to be tricky or anything like mm. that. And same with, to me, you know, injecting use. Mm. If you explain why you're asking a question, right. then people understand They're it better and feel to wonder, like, does that yeah. mean I'm not going to get treatment? So so yeah. to me also How early on. Is this a trick question? Yeah, exactly. How should I answer exactly. this? You, no, know? you can tell. Yeah. There are and already so, 20 steps Yeah, exactly. And so I always say to people, my plan is to treat you. Mm-hmm. So, like, and to me, and so to me, you can train mm-hmm. people to do simple things like mm-hmm. that because when people come in, they're really mm-hmm. anxious about whether or not they're going to have mm-hmm. that shocking experience. Mm-hmm. So you go, look, the plan is to treat you. There's going to be a series of stuff we're going to have to work through, mm-hmm. but that's, that's that's where we're, we're getting to. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's the plan. Assuming mm-hmm. that you want treatment, is that what yeah. you want? Yeah. So that's always yeah. a good idea to establish whether that's <laughs> what they want. But assuming that's the case, then you mm-hmm. actually say that's what we'll do then, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to have to do a few things, mm-hmm. and you explain the things you need mm-hmm. to know. And I always explain around drug use and a couple of things that, number one, I need to check I don't make things worse, particularly in the old mm. days with the peg, but not so much these days. But, you know, you yeah. didn't want to make somebody's drug use worse by mm. them self-medicating or you wanted mm. to know if they were self-medicating. Mm. If they're on a trial and you needed to tell them how to get onto a trial where you're not allowed to use drugs, not so much an issue these days. So there were reasons why I'd say, I've got to go yeah. through this so I yeah. can work out how to get you onto the trials or yeah. whatever it might be. <laughs> not not such a problem these days. And then you just want to know that, that they're understanding it like that they're at the – sometimes people are at a moment in, where they want to actually change their drug use mm. to get it back under control and they're at a moment of time in their health where they're saying, I'm addressing a series of health issues mm-hmm. of which I'm using this as that moment. Yeah. And then you go, okay, well, then I'll link you into a service or how do we do it? That's so right. yeah. so it's to me those kind of things. I think that comes with experience, but mm-hmm. I think we can – you know, I had to learn a little bit the yeah. hard way possibly. Yeah. But I think we can educate faster. people about how mm. do you do these mm. things and working with mm. – people from community about yeah I don't like that question being asked of me because I'm worried about what that means mm. so how do we ask it because we do need to sometimes ask it and also mm. for the reinfection and education information mm. how do we ask it in a way that's not um, mm. seeming to be uh, obtrusive or voyeuristic or whatever mm. it is so to me it's training amongst it other is things. isn't it and it, but it's also um, amongst all of that which is fantastic is you know there's a sense of respect under what you're saying for the people you know, for your patients, yeah, yeah, as people. And I think, unfortunately, that maybe basic respect as a starting point isn't necessarily always there yeah. for all health providers. So I think yeah. there's aspects of that that probably needs to be discussed because you need to respect a person yes. before you bother to take that approach you've explained. Yeah. yeah. But to me, Do you that, know what I mean? Those yeah. bigger fundamentals. Um, you, you're right. But mm. I also, my simple argument on that is if you're going to do your job well, mm. like at the end of the day, we're professional. Believe it or not, I'm a professional. Trust me, I'm a doctor. Trust me, I'm a doctor. If I'm going to be good at my job, and I would like to think I'm mm. good at my job, mm. Or otherwise, why do you bother? Yeah. And so that would be mm. my first one. Okay, mm. maybe some people, I don't know, maybe they come to work for money. I, I, mm. I mean, I know we all come to work to a certain level for money yeah, and for these sure. things. But if you want to be good at your mm. job, then be good at your job. Sometimes that part of it is doing it well and learning mm. how to do it well. Mm. And sometimes you need to be taught mm. some things to help you yeah. do it better. 
but it's just a basic part mm. of your job mm. that you will do a better job if you're you're helping a person get mm. through a health issue. It's it's their mm. their mm. body. Their, yeah. They own mm. their choices, and your mm. job is to facilitate their choices and care and sometimes you can't because they're wanting something that you just can't give them and and you then you're honest and say i can't give that to you i can't do that that's not possible blah 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 like people ask me for to write scripture stuff i say no i don't do that and i say and i'll say and the reason i don't is this and this yeah and blah 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 people are just happy yeah so to me it's i mean maybe it's respect but i mean Mm. it's part of your job to if you're going to be any good at medicine Mm. or health services of course you should respect your patients i mean again it's like to me a dark kind of moment it is in many ways yeah so to me if you don't want to do it then Mm. don't do it do something else yeah but if you're going to work with this group of people to achieve this ultimate goal of curing them of an infection where they don't want to have it plus it has a longer term benefit for everybody in terms of reducing Mm. transmission then just be good at your job, and of course you should respect all your patients. Mm. I mean, it goes without saying. You would expect them to respect you. I mean, just mm. stand, that's just standard mm. of life is to respect mm. people. It but is. I, to link back into the elimination targets, I think what you've also explained is that, you know, the health system and the way we do health services mm. have been constructed in a particular way mm. to suit maybe some particular groups of people in society, yeah. the people mm. who can get here and pay for their parking yeah. and take yeah. a half a day off and all that kind of stuff, doesn't suit many people. Yeah. And I think workers get stuck in that, well, this is the way How it works. It is. Yeah. Oh, so, it you is. know, you've got to bend yeah. to the system. Yeah. And there's many people out there who just can't do that. I agree. I mean, I think, to me, uh, some people call me difficult. I don't think of myself as being difficult. I've never understood it. That's a good T-shirt. Some people. (laughs) Are you one of them? (laughs) I I just basically don't accept the status quo as presented to me if it makes no sense. Mm. If there's not, it's it's like to me when somebody's you know people used to say to me oh you can't treat people inject drugs and I thought oh I think I might be already. And then so I went and did some work to get evidence to show you can. Yeah. I just loathe that stuff. Mm. It's just like, don't tell me that. That's mm. dumb. Like, yeah. don't make mm. me like I have to treat, like, behave like an idiot. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to act like an idiot. Yeah. I want to take an evidence-based approach to this. So yes. don't tell me that. And then they'll go, oh, you can't do this. And I go, oh. I've spent my whole time people telling me all the things I can or can't do in my personal mm. life, in my professional life about this that and i feel like saying there's no evidence for that Mm -hmm. i'm very evidence-based there's no evidence for any of that and to me to say the system has to be like this because it's it's just like that's no actually the system the evidence it would suggest otherwise and we'll get a better outcome not accepting that so it's without wanting to be which evidence is really yeah i don't want to be contrary about it Mm. But there's nothing to support Mm. that the current system is the right way to do Mm. it. Yeah. So let's see that. So that's why I do research studies. Mm. Because sometimes you just go, like, I just got a review of a grant that I submitted where it says, like, why don't you just go and do this? I feel like, oh, great. Yeah, nice one. Of course. Like, I'm so dumb. Why don't I just go and do it? Because it's not me. (laughs) (laughs) I have to convince colleagues and help bureaucrats and funders and people. And they want evidence yeah so that's why i do research mm. half the time i just think oh that makes no sense yeah. but it's almost like when something makes no sense but it's being done you have to yeah. prove that yeah. it makes no sense the other way yeah you know what i mean I and it's so so that's why i do research in part to go although that's the status quo mm. you're not going to change the status quo unless you have yeah. evidence to prove the something other way yeah. works better mm-hmm. and so a lot of my research is really going oh, I don't believe the status quo and there's no mm-hmm. evidence to prove the status quo we've just done it like that yeah. so therefore I have to prove, prove that what makes sense is sensible be I mean yeah. like it's common like if mm-hmm. you think about it it is common sense to go where do you live I live here 
if I can provide care more cost effectively mm. right near where you live in a service where you're comfortable, of course I should. But I have to prove that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Why do you treat people inject drugs? I don't know. Maybe because they've got the disease and transmitting it. It's common yeah. sense. <laughs> but I have to prove. I have yeah. to prove that. Yeah, yeah. Why would I treat somebody who injects drugs and their injecting partner? I don't know. Maybe because that's where transmission occurs. Mm. I have to prove that. Yeah. I mean, it's like, why do I have you to prove that? I think, I think it makes it. sense my person who reviewed my grant to say, like, what are you, stupid? Of course it's right. <laughs> but they're not the person. Mostly mm. you're talking to people that yeah. to change the status quo, they need evidence. Yeah. Mm. So we have to prove it. And, and what this underlines for me, just as we're, we're wrapping up, is that you know the elimination targets are great and it's wonderful to have a goal, but it's just not going to happen if the status quo mm. remains. No, it, it. It's a whole heap of work. It's totally a It's yeah. not it's just these drugs, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, yeah. Danny. It's not mm. just no. these new medicines. The, the way they get out there, how people are informed about them and, and, yeah. and mm. attracted into thinking about even mm. it and then finding somewhere to get them is just... Yeah. a whole kind of greenfield work to do. Yeah. And it's, it's a health, like and it's a health it's necessary but not sufficient type. Yeah. Yeah. The drugs were necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't they're, do it without them, but they're the drug, not sufficient. The know? drugs are the beginning yeah. of yeah. it. Mm. They provide us an opportunity yeah. to now get on with the business mm. at hand. Mm. And also, to me, in getting on with that business at hand, to exploit other... To exploit the structure that we set up, mm. which I hope we can, and that's what, mm. as I said... And I think different jurisdictions will do it differently. Sure. But I, you know, would hope with the partnership grant, we've got a lot of people in Victoria like on board, including and the tur- partnership grant includes other jurisdictions. No, it, for, for this, the, it's, it's a partnership but, within Victoria. Yeah, the, yep. within Victoria, mm-hmm. health services, primary, right. tertiary, mm-hmm. government, prisons, community, community uh, companies, all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Is because I do think it, it requires a health system change, and the idea mm. is to facilitate the, the, the work of the partnership is to really facilitate that change, change. over the five years mm. of it to recognise mm. that the status quo cannot achieve what we're trying mm. to achieve. So yep. therefore, how do we do it? How do we help facilitate it? How do we monitor it? How do we gather evidence to help other jurisdictions, mm. either within Australia, who might need a bit more encouragement mm. for that to happen, or also external to Australia. I think we have a real obligation to be external to Australia mm. of this privilege that we got given mm. of access to the mm. drugs to then say how do we best, best do it yeah. to um, to get that information to other places as well. Yeah, it's not going to happen by chance, though. It's mm. going to happen by thought, hard work, facilitation, a plan. Mm. Mm. Terrific. Well, I think that's, that's a great... Great place to wrap up, and mm. uh, thank you, Margaret. What a yeah. what a trip! <laughs> it was great fun. Thanks, thanks for asking thank you to do it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Bye. 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 For more information about this podcast, our guests, and upcoming episodes, head to httpcsrh.arts.unsw.edu.au.